the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. The shipping industry complains it is invisible. Nobody appreciates the complexities of a global supply chain that quietly and efficiently keeps world trade moving, runs the often repeated internal navel-gazing that routinely ends with eager voices concluding that something really must be done about our public image. And yet, when the eyes of the world are upon us, the industry has a tendency to hide in the shadows. But that's an increasingly difficult tactic to uphold because the world is now watching shipping and that intrusive glare from outside influences is not going to go away. Now, we don't tend to do film reviews here at Lloyd's List, but along with the rest of the industry, we have been watching the European documentary Black Trail this week. If anyone listening hasn't seen it yet, it offers a compelling 60 minutes on what its makers view as shipping's damning record on climate change. How shipping pollutes the planet, avoids taxes, dodges regulations and gets away with it is the strapline that they certainly deliver on with some gusto. It's fair to say that the film has had a mixed reception from the shipping sector. Some have applauded the frank take on the industry's failings, while the majority have slammed the cheap tabloid tactics it employs to skim over important topics with a deliberately negative agenda. Now, I'm respectfully choosing to dismiss the voices who would rather that we didn't give more airtime to this film than it's already had, because I think it is important to engage and look at what this outsider's view of shipping says about where we are as an industry. So with that in mind, I've invited the two lead journalists behind the film, Zeynep Sentek and Craig Shaw, to come on the podcast to talk about how they came to see shipping as an industry with something to hide how they view the industry's response to the film and, and what they make of the criticism that they have unfairly represented the industry as barely regulated tax-dodging polluters. Craig and Zenia, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining thank us you. this week. Thank you. I, I just wanted to start this week by you know asking you, as people who are coming to the industry as outsiders, you, you had no real experience in, in shipping before starting off in this documentary. What, what takeaways did you, you have? What, what was your view of the industry as you, uh, you were putting this film together? Um, thank you for having us. For me, it was a, a little bit of a shock to learn how polluting the industry is. It's not something that I, I knew. It's not something that I thought about. I guess there is a question of, if I don't know, as a journalist, you're expected to know these things just in general on a small level. I, we assume nobody else knows it. So it really, in terms of your question, like what are the takeaways, this not knowing is kind of deliberate. And um, there's a lot of reasons for this. And one of the purposes of the film is to explore what are those reasons. Craig says that it was a little bit of shock uh, uh, for him, but for me, it was a huge shock, actually. I had no idea. And after a month of looking into it, I'm, I'm, I'm horrified that people do not know. And um, as we were researching, it was kind of like, okay, actually shipping is so polluting that it is like a country. And we were like, wow. <laughs> and then on top of it, uh, is we had more reporters talking, digging, and it's like, but they don't pay taxes either. Wow. And then uh, as you keep on digging, you know, the, the, the flags of convenience, the crew, 
the labor conditions and you're like wow <laughs> and then but they make billions who regulates them i am all but they are they are captured wow you know it's kind of like bunch of things coming together it's not just one part of the industry it's all parts of the industry and i think it's it's jaw dropping and it's interesting to hear you say that because i think the perception within the industry is certainly that they are trying their best to deal with a very complex international set of circumstances uh, shipping is a significant pollution and obviously it is growing alongside world trade but what's missed i think in that perception is quite how efficient world trade is as a result of shipping now you did get some of those points across you spoke to a number of large ship owners the industry has had a number of documentaries made about it and 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 some of them uh you know have been wide the mark uh this was legitimized in my view by the fact that you had some very big names in shipping talking to you very frankly and very openly about the challenges. What did you make of their explanations in terms of how they were trying to explain how the shipping industry works? Because you know, clearly their view is that they are doing their best and trying to clean up the industry. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think their points were that you know, it is actually, you know, it is more complex than perhaps your documentary was was trying to get across. Um, I would say that, first of all, they're trying to clean it up is, is total nonsense. I think that this is a position that the shipping industry has put itself in by resisting change for so long. People knew from the, I guess, in the 70s and 80s, the lev- the, that there was a global warming problem. And it's a shame with, same with the oil industry. They delay and delay to maximize profits until you get to a point where you say, well, you cannot delay anymore. And then becomes the arguments, well, do you do um, liquid natural gas? Do you use scrubbers? What are the solutions? And you get involved in the minutiae of like the technical aspects. From a, a different point of view, you're talking about uh, global uh, climate goals. I'm not an environmental journalist. Uh, you're talking about uh, global climate targets, climate change targets, and you're talking about for years, people are saying you're reaching the point of no return. So the complexity uh, regarding should you use this or should you do that, I think is designed to muddy the waters um, about what needs to be done. Because something needs to be done and the shipping industry has delayed, continues to delay. And everybody that we spoke to that was on the shipping side said, there is climate change but none of them provided any any solution that was workable or it would be in a decade or two decades if you have an industry that sort of lives uh, that is so important uh, to the economy the global economy but has resisted these sorts of changes for so long you cannot be surprised that people are saying well you had a good for so long now it's time like you have to there has to be sacrifices and i'm saying this from the point of view it's not just the shipping industry that should sacrifice. Governments, of course, need to uh, impose these things and provide a certain level of protections. Uh, but there are a bunch of other side issues. Globalization is a huge reason for global pollution. Um, but that, that aside, the people who are making the money have a primary responsibility. So I, I, it, it's just not, it's just the evidence is just not there that they're trying to extremely hard to change. It's actually the opposite is true. Um, yeah, so when they told us that climate change uh, for them is real, they're aware, they're aware of the 
uh, young generations' demands and all that. We um yes, we understood. Okay, they accept it because nobody denies it anymore. I think it's only wackos deny climate crisis now, right? So they don't want to be in that position. So they accept it. But then what, what you're saying about them doing their best, like Craig said, we saw no evidence. They talked about it and it's actually in the documentary, the solutions they talk about, they're in the documentary uh, openly. We didn't even like try to refute them. We put their perspective in the documentary, the solutions that they come up with. It's just, I don't think the evidence is there that those solutions are genuine solutions that are done to really tackle the emissions problem of the, of the shipping industry. I don't think they take it seriously at all. I don't think that they, maybe, maybe a little bit now they're aware that this is the tipping point and they need to do something. Uh, but for so long, I don't think they were aware. They didn't want to. Um, uh, they didn't want to hear from the scientists. They didn't want to hear from those tiny islands that are in the brink of uh, uh, existential uh, demise. So they, it was just kind of like this is not happening, you know. But maybe now they are uh, coming up with these, you know, Myers saying that we're going to be zero carbon etc etc but i don't think it's the evidence is just not there that this is going to happen or this is a genuine effort from the from the shipping industry i i, I would just add one point it is difficult being i, I can say i'm not an environmental journalist uh, i've never spent a great deal of time concerned about the environment i, I have a normal level of concern for the environment I, i'm 37 there are younger generations that are supremely concerned about uh, the environment, but there is footage within a, a documentary talking to people, the attitude that some of the ship owners has towards um, the younger generations. You know, they were called that we didn't put it in because I think it was just time and noise. Uh, they were called zealots, and and so I can understand from a certain point of view if you're of a certain age that you see people who are uh, who might raise the alarm about climate change and go, oh, you know, these are hippies, these are you know. Uh, three huggers, lefties, um, but the fact is, is you cannot deny what science is saying, and to deny the reality of the urgency is the new form of climate change denial, and that's the thing that never, that never came across while speaking to uh, primarily Greek ship owners, uh, was that yes, you can say climate change is real, it's man-made. But to deny the um, the requirements to fix it is in itself a form of climate change denial. The shipping industry is not represented solely by those Greek ship owners. And I wonder, you know, when you were talking to the wider industry, to be clear for anybody who hasn't seen the documentary, you spoke to uh, a number of high profile Greek ship owners, but you also spoke to the likes of MSC. Uh, you spoke to a number mm -hmm. of uh, environmental scientists and mm -hmm. uh, experts within the film, uh, representing you know a, a fairly broad array of views and uh, experience in the industry. But when you were engaging with the likes of MSC, for example, you know a company that I know to be actively engaged in a number of forum where they are talking about how to move to zero carbon fuels, uh, how to uh, you know, transition from uh, the regulatory targets that the industry has set itself to reduce emissions by 50% by 2050, 
Um, you know, they, they are actively engaged in these things in a way that I, I see tangible changes in their ordering behavior, in the way that they're operating, in their engagement with the wider supply chain. None of that was really reflected in the documentary. I know you talked more widely to, to companies like that about what they were doing. It was a very specific set of views you were presenting there. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. the title of the documentary, how, how Shipping Pollutes the Planet, Avoids Taxes, Dodges Regulations, and Gets Away With It. I mean, there's, there's, no, um, there's no getting away from it. You, you were coming from a, a certain perspective there. In order to I think sort of... that uh, I don't think that's we, we didn't come from we the only perspective we came from is um, there is a sense of urgency and is the maritime shipping industry is the IMO meeting the requirement of that urgency the the text used uh, to sort of describe the film at the end is a result of the research um, so so the the first point is that I don't think any of those polluting the planet, it's pretty clear that that happens from a very small number of ships, evades taxes. That's absolutely true. It pays less taxes than almost any other industry. And then as we put in the story, in the case of the cruise industry, it pays zero taxes. Um, and the, we, the, 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 the example we found of MSC Preciosa, that was random. We wanted to film that ship coming into, into uh, Lisbon and speak to the passengers and say, do, are you aware of uh, what the environmental impact of your trip is? Was cancelled because of COVID. When I looked into the ownership and looked into the accounts in London, it was not paying any taxes. So, and the, the uh, assessment by Olaf uh, Merck uh, um, uh, was, uh, was pretty good in, in the highlight that. Obviously there are nuances. It's a, it's a big picture type thing. So, uh, and getting away with it avoids regulations. It's not regulated, it's, it's, it's regulated hardly anywhere. I mean, the, the reaction to being regulated in the EU um, was there was sort of loud opposition to it. Uh, the IMO is not going to meet its, its goals. Um, so, there isn't any of those points in which it, I think that we were wrong. What we didn't want was to get into this, into this, this small stuff of like, confusing people about the technical aspects because it doesn't it's i don't you can make a, you can make a, a, a story about black carbon for example and you can make it very specific and and obviously somebody who works in the industry or is is, is a maritime journalist might look at those things but you, this is from the point of view of people who have no skin in the game and from the point of view of the the young people who are raising their voices and from the point of view of like, the, the, there's some things to answer. These people are rich and powerful and they have to answer. And that's it, it wasn't, right? Um, those other, like, you have to look at it. When you say like they're talking, that's, they're just, they're still talking. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're saying that they've given themselves regular, you know, they've given themselves a set of regulations, they gave it to themselves. And these things, there's very few industries where that is true. Uh, well, let's tackle anyway, that because the, the the IMO does come in for a, a fair amount of criticism in the in the piece, and the uh, the end scene is, is is you guys doorstepping the uh, Secretary General Kisag Lim uh, at at his home. Yeah, I understand from the IMO that they had offered to answer your questions, uh, but not in a live interview. Is that is that right? Uh, they didn't answer. They didn't engage no. at all. No, they, were not, they refused. They... 
So uh, they were saying, which is also in the documentary, that uh, it was a lot of back and forth with uh, um, their press office, and then they wanted to know uh, about our specific questions. Mm. Uh, we gave them uh, the topics that we would like to talk about, broad uh, topics, and we were quite honest with it. We, I mean, we we told them what our documentary was about, what we want to talk about. A lot of back and forth and then they said that uh, they assume we're looking for a negative aspect which was not true we said that we were looking for a fair uh, interview which was the case eventually i don't know how many months this went on a <laughs> couple of months i think eventually we were refused so no they did not accept uh, anything like you say they flat out refused to uh, interview the perception that the IMO is slow is certainly not uh, a view that is new. Um, there have been criticisms you know, for, since the, the IMO has existed on many respects and uh, certainly their work in addressing climate change is open to criticism and certainly even within the industry, it is a matter of uh, hot debate, I would say. But the perception that the IMO as a body is somehow responsible, um, I find slightly wider than Mark. I mean, the, the IMO is nothing more than the collective will of its 174 member state governments and mm -hmm. their willingness to pursue these agenda items. But the suggestions within the film seem to be pointing to the fact that actually the governments have very little influence. It is almost entirely driven by corporate interests that have infiltrated the IMO. That seems to be the, you know, the gist of what you were suggesting, yes? Uh, yes, I, I mean, this, these are the, there are words of, of many people who know much more about the maritime industry than I do, who say that it's captured, that say that it's hijacked. They may have a political agenda, uh, although um, I, I don't think that agenda is to dis destroy the IMO or shipping, but it's an environmental agenda. Uh, there is there are reports about how the the IMO is run. Um, and there was a British a guy who wrote a report both about the uh, aviation industry and the IMO. I don't think I cited in the written story, but if you look at the makeup of the IMO and its advisors, um, for example, you take Greece. Um, all of the people who have a standing, who have advisory standing, uh, I guess there's another term, they're all from the shipping industry. There's no environmental, and, and the, 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 the Greek shipping minister said this, well, it's, it's, a, it's a body on, uh, on the maritime industry, but it's about the environment. He said, but it's shipping. So they pack it with lawyers, they pack it with lobbyists, and these people um, provide the, uh, the resources and they provide the opinions to, to I guess transport ministers that will go and be part of the IMO's uh, deliberations and discussions. So it's usually uh, uh, um, swayed towards the industry. There was a story I think about the time the the guy from the, the transport minister or something from the Marshall Islands turned up at the one of the IMO meetings to find that it was the shipping industry sitting uh, in his in all of the chairs, and they they couldn't sit down. Uh, so the, the one thing that it probably we looked at for this story, and it would have been more interesting to do, and we didn't, 
is how the mechanics of the IMO work, how it works, because I think that's interesting in itself uh, and something worth worth exploring. But the, it's it, the, the say that well, it's just nation states um, that are making these decisions, and we as the industry uh, have no say. We just advise. I think that's naive, um, deliberately naive. Yes, for example, uh, if you remember the MSC interview there, when we asked why don't you have higher ambitions than what the uh, what the industry uh, puts on the table, and then the MSC vice president telling us, but IMO determines these um, ambitions nation states do, the UN does, and I think this is a, this is also one of the um, sound bites that we kept hearing from from the industry uh, uh, representatives and i think it is aimed to really underplay their role in the imo and how much they influence actually the, what the nation states uh, say in the in that un body i think you just have to look at the interview with uh, the greek shipping minister to see well how much resistance is there to the shipping industry uh, in what is essentially supposed to be the biggest shipping uh, country in Europe and one of the biggest in the world. Do you feel like that minister is there to stand up for the rights of Greek citizens um, uh, who live in Athens, Braeus and, and breathe the air? Or do you, does it appear that he's there to defend the industry? Because the one thing that was also interesting, every single shipping person we spoke to pretty much defended the IMO. When, when does uh, a body when does a group of uh, uh, businessmen defend the people who regulate them? Do American capitalists like defend the uh, SEC? Uh, no, they're supposed to not like the regulator, but everybody adores the IMO, and that tells you something that tells you something about how it governs. And actually, the, there was a part of, uh, of the interview with the Greek minister that didn't make it to the final cut, where he was, uh, um, when we asked what you're, you're a minister, like you, you are a, your government representative. And then he was saying, yes, and I represent shipping. So <laughs> it was pretty clear who he was representing. Like he, there, there is no illusion, you know, like uh, people elected him to represent uh, the people, but in Greece, like even he didn't see it that way and openly said that he was there in the government to represent Greek shipping. Like it, it is, like there isn't even hiding that fact, you know? I think it's fair to say that uh, some of the representation has, has gone down badly in the industry and no doubt there will be people listening to this podcast who will uh, criticize me for giving voice to what they view as a, a negative perception of the industry. My view is, I, I would say that, you know, your characterization of the way in which the industry works and the way in which uh, IMO and the European unions uh, are operating is perhaps, you know, at a surface level, you know, rather than uh, understanding sort of the intricacies. But, you know, the point of the documentary for me was uncovering exactly what the industry looks like from the outside. And to that extent, getting you onto the podcast and giving you the opportunity to describe what you see, I think is interesting. Not because I necessarily agree with it 100%, but because I think that, you know, as 
a group of intelligent journalists who have gone away and had a strong look at the industry. What you are perceiving here is obviously not what the industry is, uh, you know, regarding themselves as. And to that extent, I think there is a big discrepancy between the way in which the industry uh, is operating, the way in which it is perceived. And that is a problem for the industry. And that's why I think it is important that we're engaging. I think the other problem for the industry is that, you know, too often, you know, you heard it yourself in terms of many of the uh, the characters you were talking to uh, bemoaning the fact that shipping remains an easy target and uh, it is too often out of sight, out of mind, and we're not easily understood. We are a complex international industry. And yet, uh, too often, I find when the, when the eyes of the world are upon us, the industry has a, a strong tendency to hide in the shadows. Engaging in this kind of debate, engaging in a public platform documentary, I think is important. Maybe it's like a bit cute when they say, you know, you're so unfair to shipping. The, we, shipping is misunderstood. I mean, this is a trillion dollar industry. How is this not, how is this not a fair game for people to think about, even like normal people to protest about, journalists to write about, or um, researchers to dig into? I just, this baffles me that that this should be somehow like a hush-hush subject because everything is brought to us by shipping. Every little thing we have is brought to us by shipping. And because of that, somehow we, we are not supposed to talk about it. And somehow if you say something, it's unfair. And this is also a soundbite we heard. 90% of the world trade is carried by. And, you know, so what can we do about it? You know, it, does that mean that we shouldn't talk about it, dig into it, look into what 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 the hell is happening behind uh, closed doors uh, in the regulators um, in the regulators institution, or how much taxes they don't pay, how many billions are foregone by the states so this industry can continue making billions. It's just I think that's unfair. Expecting that is is the unfair part. Food for thought there for the whole of the industry, I think. And uh, for any of the listeners who are yet to see it, I would highly recommend watching Black Trail. But for now, um, Craig Shaw, uh, Zinia Psentek, thank you very much for joining the Lois List podcast. Thank you. Thank you.